The following is a special presentation of the Buccaneers Sports Network. This is the Jay and Keith Show. Two broadcasters. Oh, yeah. Two microphones. And one meticulously scripted podcast. You what? Just kidding. Get it, J.K.? You get it. That's what I thought was so funny. It's not funny. Alongside Keith Brake, here's the voice of the Bucks, Jay Sandoz. It's a Thursday before a holiday. It is Masters weekend. We're talking golf. Talking baseball. Got a little baseball. Got a little earth thing, if you will. Oh, no. And Jake Amos. What's that? Speaking of golf, we'll talk to him. Yeah, Jake's great. How many hole-in-ones do you have in your career? Actually, one. Do you? Oh, yeah. let's. So, so this is terrible. So, John Stevens had one. I shouldn't have one, but I, I did. I like, don't. I don't know if Parker Schwartz had one, but Gallagher had one, and you've had one. Hmm. I've got none, and I play a lot. <clears throat> yeah, none, none. I've holed out several times from the fairway for like eagle. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of my greatest pars of all time was a ball I hit out of bounds. Had to hit retee, so I'm, you know my fourth shot was 165 yards out, and I one hopped it right in the hole for par. But that still is not a hole in one. Mm-hmm. No hole in one. All right, so you have to go. give me a hole in one story. Come on. Yeah. So um, I don't remember the exact name of the course. It's a little country course. It was a nine hole course at the time. Makes it's it out, even worse. It's out in um, Humphreys County, Tennessee. I think it's Humphreys. It's Humphreys or Houston. It's like between Erin and McEwen, which are really small towns. Sure. If you, if you know where those are, I do not. Uh, God bless you. Um, you know that like those are just that's really really small towns. So my dad took me out there one time, and um, we had just waited out. There was a rattlesnake that had just crossed the cart path. That's how country this place was. Like we were right up against the woods. There were deer. There were rattlesnakes. There's all kinds of stuff. Um, it was not a long par three. I want to say it was the third hole. And I pulled out a four iron because I was not old. I was still fairly young. I was probably, uh, at that point, I was probably like 15, 16. And it had been pouring rain because it always does that in the summer in the Mid-South. And the, the the all morning it had been pouring rain. We got there, sun had cleared off, and the conditions were pretty slick. And so I just whacked it as hard as I could right at the flagstick. And I guess because I didn't actually see it go in, we didn't because we we got up. We I hit it. I was like, okay, that's on the green. Let's go find it. We get up there. It's not on the green. And we're like, well, obviously, you know, the rain and it's so slick, it probably just plowed right through whatever break was in the green and rolled off into the into a thicket somewhere. And so we're we're starting to like, I'm starting to poke around, and my dad finds it first, and he says, "Hey, bud, it's in here." <laughs> and we just kind of looked at each other, like, "Are are you are you for real? Did this seriously happen? That seriously just happened?" And what made it weirder, it was it was very similar to a hole out he had from the fairway at Montgomery Bell probably five or six years before that. Where again, we hit it, he hit it over a blind ridge. He couldn't see the green. He saw the top of the flagstick, but he couldn't see the green. And the ball went in, and we just we looked down at the ball and we looked up at each other and we just started laughing. And same thing. Um, but mine was an ace. And if you've ever watched me golf, you like me, will be completely baffled 
at the notion that that ever happened because there's no possible way that that guy could get a hole in one. But I did once. But you just said once. You never went back to back. Uh, no, not like Seamus Power. Yeah, how about that? No. I, yeah, Seamus, Seamus was that was awesome yesterday in the par three contest. And he didn't even win it. He didn't win the par three contest. I was like, ah, man, it was, it was Tom Hoagie. Fargo! <laughs> uh, Seamus Power, great. Uh, the, the, the first one was the most impressive one to me. But then, to, I mean, to do it again, that's really unique. You should, you should get something if you hit back-to-back hole-in-ones at the Masters Par 3. There has to be some kind of prize for that. From the club. Like, there has to be. So, I I went a few years ago on a Wednesday, mm-hmm. and there were, it was the day they set the record for most hole-in-ones. Do you know how many I saw? None. None. Absolutely. The best chance I had, I they don't serve uh, adult beverages on that side of the course, the par mm-hmm. three side. So, I had to walk over. Uh, we've been walking all day, walk like seven, eight miles. You know, we're walking the course, walking the course, taking pictures, the usual, because it's practice round. Probably so, thinking this would be a good time for a frosty beverage. Went and got a frosty beverage. Not only that, I bought a bunch of, you know, egg salad, pimento cheese, chicken salad. Ba- basically, we hadn't eaten a lot. So I'm armful of a couple adult beverages. And it was all like $12 total. Uh, yeah, it was ridiculous. And so I'm going <laughs> to like pot commit to sit down mm-hmm. as my wife had found a good spot to watch a hole. And right as the balls hit, I go to sit, and I hear the roar of the crowd. But I'm already pot committed to go down to sit. And as soon as I sit, and I'm trying not to spill everything, the crowd that was sitting started to stand and make noise. And I'm like, this is going to go in. And I can't get up. My wife's standing up. She's watching. And the thing just, you know, nothing but the bottom of the cup, place erupts, and I'm just head down. She's like, did you see that? No. Because she saw my face. No. No, I didn't. I have no. So your wife saw the sunny saw the hole in one and you didn't yeah. but you were standing like a foot from each other yes i was uh, sitting wow. she was standing the other thing is was we had just missed the two previous hole in ones before that we had actually followed a group so we would go to a hole stop watch a few people play a few groups play then we would follow the next group kind of go with them to the next hole mm-hmm. directly behind us twice the exact group we left had just hit a hole in one, and then that happened the two times prior. Like I said, there were like nine or ten. It was whatever Man, set. The I would just, I would rage it quit was, golf as a spectator. It if, was, if that yeah, it was, me. it was not good. I did not get to do it. But anyway, Seamus Power, that was awesome to see him and Adrian Moronk um, both uh, getting the invite to play this year. And of course, we're recording kind of midday here Thursday. Moronk's off to a great start, so hopefully he kind of continues that. But golf theme as uh, you know we like to say you know golf school at etsu and coming off one of the best wins in school history setting all kinds of records uh you know we we got a chance to talk to jake amos and and by we i I mean you yes me i got the chance to talk to the reigning socon champion head coach is it is it one or two time reigning they won it last year and they were phenomenal last year is it too? What, it, and what's the, amazing about it is Archie Davies um, hasn't really done a whole lot for them yet. And he's an All-American last year. That's a guy that I would look at and say, okay, 
He's going to round into form. Like at some point, it's going to click for him, and he's going to take off, and he's going to be awesome. And this team has a chance to win. Yeah, no, they uh, they won the SoCon Championship in twenty one. So two time reigning SoCon champion. Well, Buccaneers. It, it's hard, and nothing uh, against ETSU, but they go they get out large every year. So it's it's almost. Uh, it's one of those deals where I just know they're going to be an NCAA tournament, so it's one of the few schools I'm like, eh, they win it, great. If they don't – and I know that's a bad way to look at it because mm-hmm. those kids work hard, they get rings, they want to celebrate, they want to be the best in the league. But is, is that bad on me that I've gotten so complacent? I'm like, eh, they win so kind of, you know. For, for, uh, for a, a, a team at ETSU to reliably be an at-large team in an NCAA postseason, I think is – yeah, I would not get complacent with that because we were talking about this the other day because um, it came up because of – volleyball because that coaching search is progressing and um i asked you was like how many teams at etsu have gotten an at-large bid to an ncaa postseason if volleyball did it once right they've done it once men's soccer did it once and golf men's golf has done it seemingly reliably and football 96 i forgot that one which was which is a glaring one that i got crushed for several people were like how did you forget 96 because Marshall, the national champion, that's right, won, won the, the league. SoCon, so, yeah. um, yes, I did forget football, but yes, football as well has gotten in. I was six years old and couldn't find Johnson City on a map at the time. So, I I, Man, I was in college. It's that's so sad. you were you were in college at ETSU <laughs> calling games on the student station. Yes, <laughs> thank you, Keith. All right, that being said, all right, so you had a chance to talk to Jake. Well, uh, why don't we go ahead and run that? Why don't we see Let's what do Jake it. Has Back at the Jay and Keith Show, delighted to sit down with, well, uh, uh, thematically appropriate. On the first day of the Masters, we sit down with the head men's golf coach at ETSU, Jake Amos. And Jake, um, first of all, welcome welcome to the, the I don't know what we call it, the, the Sandoz Cave, the Nerd Cave. I don't know what we call it, but it feels like a cave right now with all the lights off. But uh, appreciate you being here. Um, how, how are you? I mean, you, you've, you guys have had a pretty good spring so far. Yeah, no, I'm doing good. I didn't even know this room existed, honestly. Well, then it's definitely the Batcave now. Yeah. It's got to be the Batcave now. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I'm doing good, yeah. A little, uh, little tired, enjoying a little, little mini break in the season, watching the Masters. Yeah. You were just in Augusta. You did not play – your team did not play at Augusta National. No, we um, played at Forest Hills right. right down the road. Is there just – like just being in the town this time of year – is there a little bit of magic in the air when you know that tournament's coming up? Oh yeah, it's, it's buzzing. And uh, I actually played at Augusta State, so I I lived there for six years. And uh, Masters Week is it's just something different. Like you know, it's pretty quiet town. It's it's similar, maybe a bit busier than Johnson City most of the year. But and then all of a sudden, you've got hundreds of thousands of people come in, and all the locals leave. Um, but <laughs> you know just going in there the traffic all the signs everything's green all the golf courses are really nice because obviously it's the golf tournament time so it's big business for them and yeah it's uh it's a it's a hard to explain but it's even within an hour it's a buzz like Mm. because a lot of people can't even 
stay in Augusta during Mass this week. Yeah. And a lot, a lot of folks, like you said, a lot of the locals rent out their houses for the week. Yeah, and, and yeah. just you know, it's probably a nice way to pay pay your property taxes for the year. Yeah, I mean, I used to do it in college for my apartment too. When I was I was there, and somebody gave me some cash, and I'd be like, "All right, I'll go sleep on my buddy's couch for a bit." Love life. Yeah, that's a, that's a good way to do it. <laughs> um, I, w- I want to talk to you about your team a little bit because this group just seems to be really deep would be the word I would have for him this year. You know, Archie Davies was all SoCon a season to go and you know he won a couple turn he's won a couple tournaments for you. And it feels like he's kind of flown under the radar because you've got some really, really some guys that are really locked in. Let's start though with Archie. Like is is his best goal for the year you think still in front of him, is he still in a position where he's gonna be a major factor for you in two weeks when you play for the SoCon title? Yeah. Um that's a great question because Archie's Archie's had a little bit of adversity that you know he played great last year he was an All-American he played in the Palmer Cup he um you know all-region player won a couple times and he went through a major knee surgery mid-year and he didn't even play golf for three months and coming out of that rehabbing um, and then having such a hard kind of schedule come up he kind of he didn't really manage it that well and what what happened in the fall was um he played the world amateur along with mats and he came back and they were both tired they were both worn out from a long year um because a lot of people don't know golf's two season sport Mm -hmm. so you have you know if you think about their schedule they start up in january with me then we go all the way to june they go play summer golf all summer Mm -hmm. they come back they go straight into fall golf and you know that is a long time and i think what happened to us we had so much success last spring and they had so much success in the summer as individuals they came back in the fall and we we did not play good at all um we had a really kind of rough start and um you know this year archie um is if you look at his results closely he's slowly working himself back into form and you know the cool thing about this team is we've had Mats and Alga yeah. both start step up and Archie's had almost a little bit of time and a little bit of breather to kind of work on him on his game and get it going without the pressure of kind of carrying the team which he carried the team a lot last year mm. so I think once we get all three of those guys rocking uh, we're going to be a really hard team to beat in SoCon and in NCAs. Matt Zaggy, you mentioned he has a win and three other top tens since the turn of the calendar year. Uh, just seems to be playing at an extremely high level right now. What, what's got him locked in, and what do you like about working with Matt's now in year two? Yeah, he um, Matt's is, is a very challenging player to coach. He's, he's, he demands a lot of himself and of me and Mike, and most people in process I'm the hardest worker you'll ever have and he can genuinely claim that like he works harder than anyone I've ever coached in my life and for him he was just getting a little bit frustrated Um, he wasn't quite seeing the results Um, he stepped up a level in competition and we reminded him of that and he's just got to get used to it and I think what what's happened is he's starting to to realize the nuances of golf and how to play a little bit better how to play be a bit more street smart so like when he's not quite got it he's 
figuring out how to still post a good score and that's why he's been a lot more consistent this year um, in his scoring average but even if you look at everything and then the other thing he, he struggled with which I know a lot of people like stats He's a num- he has the number one stroke average in the nation um, for first rounds mm. His he's not shot in the 70s one time this year in the first round he's all in the 60s and he was getting frustrated he wasn't capitalizing on that and you know we just talked about how he's going to handle his second round and third rounds after getting off to good starts and he's starting to realize you know it's it's not rocket science he's just got to keep doing the same things but he's been exceptional all year um he's he's on track to have one of the best years in school history um when you look at just the straight up numbers um and we've had some pretty good players uh so that's kind of a nice thing for him how much of coaching especially in college when you got 18 to 23 year olds and particularly in golf is just it's about the mental side and like you're kind of like you talk about keeping guys out of their own heads so that they're able to you know fight their way through maybe not being perfect on a given day how much of coaching at, in, at this level with this group is is about uh, the mental side of the game as much as anything in terms of how you're striking the ball or what your footwork is or anything like that um it's you know it is a lot mental but it's also about attention to detail mm. in in preparation and and when you're there and um you know a good example of that is is alga actually is you know if you look at his results he's been pretty inconsistent his first 18 months with us and we did worked a lot on his his mental state how is he gonna how is his his attitude and how getting him in the right frame of mind to compete on the road and understanding kind of he is a great golfer even if he has a bad stretch it's going to come back and be treating him patience and stuff and you know he's done a unbelievable job um this semester you know winning at puerto rico and that was kind of a breakthrough and then the week after he slipped into some bad habits and it was actually a perfect time for him to do that because you could say hey look this is what you did at puerto rico this was working you went back to your bad habits it didn't work so let's just keep focusing on what works and what you're good at and he's played great the last three events um since then so yeah it is mental and it is but it more is to do with the really small details and kind of at this level everyone's so good what do you do just a little bit better than everyone else what is it about ETSU that appeals to some some of these high caliber international players that we're able to go get? I mean, I'm obviously that this one's tired and worn out, and it's an old bit. But Rory McIlroy signed a letter of intent to come play here for Fred Warren back in the day, um, and it's it's you know there are two ETSU alums that are teeing off in the Masters. Uh, what is it about this place that just seems to attract some really high level international players? Yeah, and. You know, we we have had some brilliant internationals. We, we've had some brilliant Americans too, and that's obviously getting tricky, trickier now to attract um, Tennessee kids or local kids mm-hmm. because you know of the landscape of college athletics. But um, we've always had a good history of internationals, and I think that's one of the reasons I got hired is to kind of keep that going. Um, you know, I think it's because um you know there's not a lot of distractions in johnson city Mm. um golf is clearly very important to the university and to the donor base and the alumni 
um, and you we feel that when we we travel and we feel it when we go to local courses and also just the proximity of all our facilities it's a small school it's a great place to live it's our facilities right on campus we have great golf courses and we we uh, do a good job with our scheduling and it's it's more of a business relationship I think if you look at international players um, you know they treat this decision of where they're going to come as a business and if you're treating it like that okay what am I going to get out of ETSU well you're going to get you know you're not wasting time traveling you're getting a great facility on campus you're playing a great schedule all year you've got a place that values you and then you know you've also uh, got the history of everything that has proven we've had PGA Tour winners and success mm-hmm. whereas in an American per se or a Tennessee he's pulling at his you know fan like he's, he wants to go to Tennessee because he's a Vol fan for his whole life and he's not really think of it thinking of it as a logical decision sometimes now not saying that's not a great place to go but um, it's not an emotional decision so we we can we can recruit against Ohio State and Georgia and everybody and compete with them because internationals don't make emotional decisions. It's what can you offer me and what can they offer you? And I think when it in terms of golf, we offer just as much as anyone. Yeah, the number thirty four team in golf stat that leads the SoCon three teams in the top fifty for the conference. Uh, I, I think it's a pretty high level of competition that you also get when you sign up to play at ETSU. Um, kind of give me a feel for where you are, where you think some of the other teams are as uh, you get ready to uh, play for the SoCon title in a couple weeks. Yeah, um, I'm glad you brought that up because the Southern Conference, uh, I mean, as far as I can remember, has never had more than two people in postseason. Mm-hmm. Um, typically, it would be, you know, one team winning and maybe one team getting a, a regular at-large bid or whatever. But now we've got four guys. I, I think this is maybe the strongest conference in mid-major sports for golf. Um, and the fact that we've got four guys that are going to get into, four teams that are going to get into postseason is incredible. Um, I think one of those four teams is going to, the separation from those four guys to the other four teams is pretty big. So I, I think one of those teams will win conference. Um, we've played a few of them this year. We played Greensboro at uh, Wake Forest and they smoked us, uh, which was a nice humbling experience. And we've played Furman and, um, and we've played, um, who am I forgetting about? We haven't played Chattanooga yet. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't seen them yet. But, um, you know, I think when when we're on, um, we, we're going to, we should win it. it you know, our, our 34 rankings pretty skewed from such a bad fall. Mm. Um, I'll be curious to see what our ranking is in a spring only ranking, which typically comes out in a couple of weeks. Um, but I, I would say I would say we're probably a top fifteen team in the country if we just just include the spring. So I think if we if we take care of our business like we have done this spring, we should win. But you know if Chattanooga just shot forty five under at um, in an event and Greensboro's won an event and uh, Furman's got some really good players. So if we don't show up, we're not going to win. What do you know about the course down in Greensboro, Georgia? The uh, the Oconee. 
uh, it's an awesome spot. It's where we've won the last two years. Um, you know, we've had Remy win last year and Archie won the year before. Um, it's always in great shape. It's really fair. It's a great neutral site. Um, the conference is working on tying them down to a long-term deal um, just because it's such a great event. Um, so hoping we can stay there, but it's a, it's a, it's an awesome place. All right, let's talk a little masters. So, I mean, you're you are you're you're the the head men's golf coach, right? You got you got to have to say you have a little expertise in in what's going on in the in one of the biggest tournaments of the year. Um, it is is it fair to say that Scotty Scheffler is the the is is almost expected to repeat at an event where nobody repeats? Um, I don't think he will. You don't think he will? No. Um, I think. Winning is hard, and winning again back to back is really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's you know he's going to feel comfortable, but I think as a past champion comes a lot of extra noise that you don't normally deal with in terms of you know the dinner and all the press and all the expectation. And um, yeah, it's a it's a really good question. I personally think Spieth always does great there. Mm. And I think John Rahm is going to be right up there. And uh, hopefully Seamus Power and Adrian can, can play well in the first Masters. Agreed. It's, it's tough to go your first Masters uh, to kind of soak it all in. And there's a lot of local knowledge there. So hopefully they can just have a good experience and maybe compete a little bit. Okay. okay. What did you think of Scheffler's Masters dinner? I, I felt like that is it was probably... For someone from Texas, I feel like it is about as Texas as it could have been. Yeah. So cheeseburger sliders and firecracker shrimp, followed by tortilla soup, then Texas ribeye steak or blackened redfish, and a warm chocolate chip cookie skillet for dessert. I mean, big fan of the dessert. Agreed. But I still think the greatest meal of all time was Hideki Matsuyama. Yeah. I mean, the Japanese... I mean, I love Japanese food. Uh, yeah. And his meal was... I don't, I don't think it'll ever be topped. See, now you're saying that. We could have had this conversation over, like, a bowl of gyoza or something. Like, yeah. That's just... Ah, man, missed opportunities all over. <laughs> all right, I'm going to give you... So we do a random draw of teams for the Masters okay. among the sports information people. So I'm going to give you my team, and then I'm going to give you Jay Sandoz's team. All right. And you tell me which one's better. So... I have Rory, Tyrell Hatton, Shane Lowry, Harry English, Abraham Onser, Keith Mitchell, and Zach Johnson. And he has John Rahm, Tony Finau, Dustin Johnson, uh, Sheikh Tagala, Justin Rose, Gary Woodland, and Kyung-Hoon Lee. Uh, his is way better than yours. Way better? Yeah. Sorry. Well, I think that's probably a pretty good place to end the conversation. <laughs> Jake Amos, the head coach of the reigning SoCon champion ETSU men's golf team with us. Jake, it's great to sit down with you, man. Thanks for giving us some time, and uh, we'll, we'll see you on the course in Greensboro in a couple weeks. Good luck down there. Thank you. Getting crushed by the head men's golf coach for my, my pulled out of a hat. Well, in fairness, team. you didn't, like, pick it. Right. I mean, you picked it, but it was by a hat. It was random. Yeah, it was completely random. So it's hard. I just like that he said me. He said you. Yeah, you're way better. And uh, Mike DeRozier, who we are keep trying to get, you know, East Coast Angry Man. Oh yeah, we're, we're on, gonna, on the on the pod. We're gonna get that. Done. He he thinks 
uh, Jake Jake thinks he's going to correct. But um, part of the reason he thinks that is because of the amateurs and the way that well, we... Well, Kevin Nod just uh, withdrew, so we got to figure out what his punishment is there. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. That's going to hurt the old team. Mm, that's going to that's yeah. gonna hurt. Apparently he's hurt, but it's going to hurt the team. Yeah. Um, Kevin Nod didn't think about that, did he? <laughs> it's very selfish of him. No, he he did not. So, he'll just, he'll, he'll, how will he ever live with himself? Oh, stop it. All ah! right, so... I know they say the hardest thing to do is hit a baseball, but apparently people haven't hit golf balls. But let's talk baseball. I don't know how to transition that way. I should have led the other way, but I'm not good at transitions. That's why I'm looking to you. Uh, let me let me see. Who is the guy I was thinking of? Um, oh, Sergeant. Gordon Sargent. Yeah, great name. Gordon, yeah, obviously. Uh, but Gordon Sargent, uh, Jake thinks he um, he could finish top 10. Uh, and is probably, like if he caught lightning in a bottle, is probably good enough to win it. Like he thinks he's that he thinks that highly of Gordon Sargent. So that, that would was, be uh, impressive. Yeah, that would be that would be really good. So first SoCon series, it's ETSU, it's Wofford. Wofford second was SoCon series. So, oh, that's right, because Sanford. Because Sanford. Yeah, you're right, mm-hmm. Sanford. And then because of the odd number, of, I guess there's not odd number of teams now. There's eight, right? There's so eight. Not an odd number. It used to be odd number. Furman, and then their infinite wisdom of their eight hundred billion dollar endowment, they needed to kill. Uh, baseball after spending and all the alumni dollars. that raised all the money to keep the program going, yeah. they said no thanks. Yeah. And I'm sure SoCon John can give me a thousand reasons why it was a smart idea, but uh, I think it's the dumb idea. But John is wrong. Furman didn't. Actually, I don't know. I was just saying. I, I say John, that John is wrong. I actually don't know if John feels that way. So okay. let, then let me backtrack. Well, if John feels that way, then John is wrong. Anything that Furman does well, I crush John. It's not even his fault. Uh, <laughs> but so he probably took a stray there and didn't. I, well, also Furman. Drop their lacrosse program too, and I feel uh, like that's yeah, just all a, of it. So that being said, the Terriers were the highest-rated team. Mm-hmm. It used to be ETSU, then they got surpassed, and now Wofford is the highest-rated RPI team to ever be left out of the NCAA baseball tournament. So congratulations, not that's terrible. And they I were what bad. like twenty-eight or something? Oh my gosh, it's yeah. really yeah. high. ETSU was I think thirty-four, and then somebody was thirty-two, and then it was twenty-something for Wofford, twenty-eight, twenty-nine. So it was uh, it was a number that should have got in. And Inter Donato, I thought did a great job of kind of saying the right things, but being crushed because I would not have ta- I didn't take it real well. And I will say this: NCAA almost told. The Atlantic Sun Conference that year. Hey, ETSU and Jacksonville play each other. <clears throat> Basically, the winner of that is going to get in because we're going to let three ace Sun teams in. We're not letting four in. Mm-hmm. And Jacksonville and ETSU were similar-ish RPI at that point in time, and it was a 2-1 game. I'm almost positive. ETSU didn't get a runner to second base till the eighth inning. Mm. Not one runner. Uh, matter of fact, they didn't get one leadoff guy on in the entire game. Lost 2-1 game. It was played at Lipscomb. Uh, that tournament year, and so kind of new. And then the very, and I'll tell you what was crushing too, was there was still an outside shot. Like maybe things went their way, and ETSU could get an at large. Yeah. And then the f- like second regional that popped up, the fourth team was Jacksonville, like the one versus four. They were the four seed, and I was like, oh. And then that just sucked the life out of the crowd. And then you knew, you knew at that point that uh, ETSU wasn't going to get it. But anyways, Wofford. Yeah. I believe Wofford was actually twenty one. Oh my god! Then how? Because week because week fourteen of the season is the regionals, week fifteen is the supers, and week sixteen is the college world series, right? Yes. So yeah, week thirteen was the last week of the, of the regular season or the 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 pre national tournament season, and uh, they were number twenty one in the RPI when they got left out. Just again, why I hate 
a lot of the NCAA. And while I believe if they expand stuff, it is not to help mid-majors. I refuse to believe it. And maybe, maybe, maybe Wofford would have been thrown a bone if they, not that they should extend baseball, but if they magically extended baseball, maybe they would have accidentally got in. But I still think they would have somehow hosed them. I think baseball would technically have to go to like 68 to accommodate the whatever it was, 20% rule that they were talking about 25 percent is it 25 yeah 25 uh so yeah i think but i think the number was like 68 or 72 and i mean yeah i don't think they you know there's certain things i don't think should be expanded there's certain tournaments i think should i uh baseball baseball is probably good where it is softball is probably good where it is um yeah i'm kind of fine with those basketball I, i i would like to see the basketball tournaments expand but that's you know that's just me. I recognize I'm in the minority on that. Um, I, I still think it's a net good because uh, it's one more full week of college basketball that we get on the national scale. Uh, it's also one more week of national relevance for True TV before it goes back to re-airing old Impractical Jokers. So uh, there, there's a lot of there's there's some val- there's some valid if somewhat niche reasons for doing that. Um, some yeah, some tournaments should expand and some tournaments should not. And I think baseball softball is probably one of those. But anyway, ETSU Wofford is going to be a really tough series. We've kind of beaten around the bush on this. Uh, the Bucks have scuffled the last couple series. I say scuffled. Scuffled implies batting. It's really been the pitching that struggled. Nathaniel Tate got off to such a roaring, phenomenal start to the season. He's already been a two-time SoCon Pitcher of the Week, and the last two times he's been out there, he has been blasted. Seton Hall got the better of him in a big way. I think he gave up six in that start. He gave up 10 to Samford. Now, ETSU won that game, but he still gave up 10 runs to Samford, and they jumped all over him early. Uh, The bullpen has been uh, a bit of a dart throw at times for them. Uh, There are some good players in there that just haven't ironed out all the kinks, and uh, this is going to be a really big challenge for this is the measuring stick because Wofford is in many people's eyes the preseason favorite in some ways it's a prohibitive preseason favorite to win the Southern Conference at one point they were number two in the RPI I think now they're down in more like the mid 30s but uh, this team pitches extremely well they hit the ball solid they lead the SoCon in staff ERA and strikeouts and as bats they lead in on base percentage and they are second to VMI in batting average and run scored. So this is a really good baseball team. They don't make a lot of mistakes. Their pitchers throw a ton of strikes, and they are going to come at you with no fear. Um, and certainly, I would imagine, you know, given that they've had some success, they had a week out of conference play last week and uh, are feeling pretty fresh. I would imagine they're looking forward to this Thursday, Friday, Saturday, or Thursday and Saturday doubleheader uh, depending on how the weather shakes out, but uh, this and is yeah a lot of pressure on the defensive guys get on eighty two stolen bases so far in thirty two games in twenty eight games right aren't they twenty one and seven are they twenty one they're twenty one and seven twenty one and seven eighty two for one oh eight <laughs> that's ridiculous eighty two bags. They have attempted 108 steals. That okay, okay. Hang on. I I I didn't know. I did not know the stolen base number. Uh that has gotta lead the country. Right? 
I would be hard that pressed. Has nuts. to lead the country. Eighty-two bags. I'm going to go SoCon. I was going to talk about something else, but that jumped off the page, and I was like, "Ah, this can't be right." I'm looking at last year's total. Somehow this is wrong. I was thinking the same thing. I was like, "Oh, you pulled up last year's stats. That's a mistake." That's again. I, I was looking, and I was like, "You said how many games? Is it? This is 28 games." Would uh, you believe that's sixth in Division One? No. Well, good for who's first. Uh, so fifth, I'm going to go back. Fifth yep. is Alabama A&M with 85 okay. in 26 games. So they have more stolen bases in wow. fewer games than Wofford. Uh, George Mason is fourth with 89. Louisiana has 90 and 29. VMI has 117 oh, stolen bases go. in 30 games. Oh, let's go. Oh, my gosh. 117. In 30 games. Woo. And the number one team in the country, you will never guess. You will never guess. Well, I'm positive I won't. Mississippi Valley State. Yes. With 130. Yeah. Let's go. I'm sorry. No, 120. 120 of 151 in 29 games. So you're talking about a, <laughs> a, a difference in this philosophy? Is... No, I, oh, here you go. So a game this weekend will feature a team with 117 stolen bases versus a team with 12. Western Carolina has 12. 12. They have 105 more steals. Now, is Western I, Carolina... I know we've that, derailed everything yeah. I wanted to talk about because I want to talk about this. I could care less about some of the other stuff. That is yeah. awesome. Uh, yeah, Wofford is also sixth in the country in stolen bases per game, 2.93. VMI is second at 3.9. I'm trying to find the next SOCON team. And I'm scrolling. And I'm still scrolling. I'm down into the... Well, the, I, I can tell you well, what number to go to. There's Louisville, know. San Diego State. you got to get to 50 steals. There's North Dakota State, Seton Hall, you gotta, 41. you got to get to 50. UNCG um, has 50. UNCG is tied for 47th. That's the next SoCon. ETSU game. has 27, by the way, for those of you checking. Mm -hmm. And you probably weren't checking, so we just told you. Oh, you're listening to the podcast. You're probably looking it up right now. I mean, um, I, I I did not know about the eighty-two stolen bases. So you've derailed us. Yeah, I, 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 trust me. Uh, yes, I did not mean to. Sometimes I mean to. I did not mean to. That was one of those as you're kind of scrolling through. And I knew they were. You know, I, I they always hit for a high I, average. I have a headache thinking about that. I mean, think about they have thirty bombs and eighty-two bags over a home run a game <laughs> and eighty-two bags. I was gonna say that's like that's like a peak. Rick, that's like a peak. Like mid '90s Barry Bonds season. I mean, 214 RBI so far. Yeah, or Ricky Henderson. Could Ricky, Ricky? Well, Ricky, Ricky didn't have that much power. Ah, let me see. I mean, Ricky, Ricky run into about 20 bombs a year. He could run into him. Hey, buddy, if you threw a first Probably pitch fast, I mean, well, he could literally run oh, into him. That's true, but if you threw a first pitch fastball to start the game, I mean, he set the record for most leadoff home runs ever. Uh, most home runs Ricky Henderson ever hit in a year was 28. Yeah, I figured he was probably a 20 home run, 80 to 100 bad guy a year in his heyday. Yeah. If you average it out, probably, give or take. And that year, he stole 65 bases. When it, his last 100 steal year was uh, 83, 108. It's hard to hit a lot of home runs and steal a lot of bases. He, did, he, had, he had 28 and 87 with the Yankees in 86. That's about what that is. I mean, that's that's about right. Yeah, that's so that's a good Ricky Henderson season. <laughs> God, it's unbelievable. 
Wow. Wow. I mean, again, you mentioned so team ERA. You know, they're about five. I mean, think about this: how many runs have they scored? Two hundred and forty-eight. That's second and twenty in the conference. Oh my god! To VMI. This is a weird, weird conference when it comes to baseball, man. But I would expect this to be a high-scoring game. You know, the middle of the lineup has been really good for Joe Panucci. I talked to him earlier today about uh, Iana, the, the that sort of line that he's been able to form. Um, uh, Ashton King bats typically more like sixth or seventh, um, whereas they've moved Cisneros up to third a few times, and uh, Iannatone is batting fourth right behind him. Uh, they've got... Uh, a couple of guys that they mix in, and then King obviously had the phenomenal game against Seton Hall on Saturday, where he tied the school the 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 thirty five no sorry forty five year old record for RBIs in a game with eight of them, and uh, also had three home runs, fifth three homer game in school history. You've witnessed most of those. Paul Hoyleman had two. Kerry don't or not Kerry Doan. Um, Bo Reeder had one, mm. and uh, I forget off the top of my head who had the other one but they're um that that group has been pretty good uh they've got a couple other guys they like to sprinkle in the middle and tommy barth is the star uh garrett wallace will hit down there quite a bit and um then they got a really good third baseman and cody miller so i mean this team's got talent uh if they're gonna put it if they're gonna take two out of three from the terriers they're gonna have to put it together pretty quick uh, they uh, did not look great Sunday. They looked really good on Saturday. And I think that's just kind of the, it's been a bit of a roller coaster for them uh, as a, a younger team still in a lot of places tries to figure things out. Miller's a freshman. Barth is a sophomore. Uh, a lot of their pitchers are younger than their starters aren't that young, but a lot of their bullpen guys are pretty young. So there's uh, a lot of development still to be done there. But uh, this is going to be a moment where if you if you want to know where you are, you're going to find out pretty quick. Pretty quick. They won 14 in a row to start the year. Oh, they lost the first game. Sorry. Then they won, rattled off 14 in a row. Yeah. Did Wofford. One of those uh, Michigan State uh, in Floor Field, which is where the Commerce Tournament is. And I want to say the reason for that is the, the owner, the team owner, uh, the Greenville Drive mm-hmm. uh, is a Michigan State alum. So uh, he hooked them up, basically? Yeah, I believe he flies. In, I was just trying to see. That's pretty cool. Uh, to play, okay. well, they played Wofford in, uh, where is it? Scroll down. Yep, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Field, they played them in a minute right. game, yeah. Well, and then, and then they, uh, then not only did they do that, but then they hosted a tournament, did Michigan State, where they played West Carolina in uh, uh, Kansas. Mm-hmm. So every year they go down there and oh, do that. So they make a whole Southern trip of it. They went and actually played uh, in Charleston, played in the College of Charleston tournament where they played College of Charleston, Charleston Southern, and Air Force. Mm. And then they uh, um, played Wofford in a one-off, and then they played in the first pitch invitational that the league owner um, – yeah. well, not the league owner, but the, the – yeah, the owner of the Greenville Drive. I guess it's not the league, but the team owner – who's a Michigan State alum, flies the team down and takes care of them over there. Anyway, summer. All right, so uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, for those of you checking because of the Easter holiday, uh, ETSU Wofford will be back Monday, and we will uh, break down how the Bucks do. A little false start there. Oh, yeah. That's, uh, that is a false start, everybody but the center. 
All right, you're going to the dirt uh, race. You have to give us an I update am. on I that. I'm going, going to the Bristol dirt race. I, I am. Um, I gotta find some ear protection. I guess I gotta go to a hardware store and get like the jackhammer headphones. I mean, you work in broadcasting. Why are you worried about your ears? Well, I'm not, but my fiance is. She's going with me. Oh. She has agreed to humor me, and we're gonna walk across the hill and go to Bristol Motor Speedway. And it's gonna be loud, and it's probably gonna rain. Well, no, it's Sunday's gonna be nice. But Saturday's gonna rain. Tomorrow's gonna rain. It's gonna be a lot of rain. It's a good thing there's a turf field at. Uh, yes, Thomas they are. Stadium. They are going to need it because that means that when it stops raining, they can just roll up and go. No turf at the Masters. No turf at the Masters. Maybe they should have turf at the Masters. Oh, you gotta be kidding me!